This week's scripture passages come from Isaiah chapter 9 and Luke chapter 1. So Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 to 7, and you can follow along uh, behind me. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. In Luke chapter 1. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. That's the word of the Lord. And now I invite uh, Pastor Nancy to come up. Okay, good morning, everyone. It's my pleasure to preach here. But at the same time, it's a great challenge for me. Obviously, I'm out of my comfort zone. When I was interviewed, one of the deacons asked me, Pastor Nancy, one day we'll ask you to walk out of your comfort zone to preach in English congregation. Nowadays, I'm here. <laughs> right? And I answered him, I'm already out of my comfort zone to serve here. So it's not my power, but it's God's power, right? So to be frank, it's not an easy job for me to work here, but the Lord is good. So uh, but today, I really need your help to help me to pray to God so that I can have the power to preach here my second language, my poor English. Okay, please join me. Dear Lord, you know how weak I am. You know all the anxieties in my heart. In fact, living in this troubled world, confronting with all kinds of troubles, trials, and conflicts, we need your help every day. Lord, the true light, please come to rescue us, to help us. Let your light shine upon us to let us know that you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. In this messy world, you are still in control. Open our eyes. Open our hearts. Purify us. Let us know that you are here with us. Lord, 
please purify me, cleanse me. Let your word be heard. Let us know that you are the only hope. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. Okay. So, from last week, we started our Advent season. We lit a candle each week until Christmas to remember the first coming of Jesus and to welcome his second coming. So, usually, we lit candles in darkness, right? Have you sensed the darkness of this world? How about the American president election? All the scandals and the chaos caused by the election made me upset. How could a country built on Christian faith became so corrupted? How about the ISIS? The terrorist attacks? The refugees? The famines? The earthquakes? Storms? And other natural disasters? We have to admit that we are living in a troubled world. But in fact, all the evils of this world are resulted from our own heart. Let's go to Mark seven twenty to 23. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. By nature, we are all self-centered. When our focus is on this world, on our own, for our own interest, to satisfy our own desires, we indulge ourselves in all these evil thoughts. We become even more corrupted and lost. The more freedom we enjoy, the more disappointed we are. No wonder, nowadays. More and more families got broken. More and more people are suffering depression and even committed suicide. But all this darkness is telling us that we need Jesus. We need his light to let us know that even though the night is advanced, the day is drawing near. Jesus is our only hope. Only Jesus' blood can purify us and make us holy. Now let's come to Isaiah 9, 6 to 7 to see what God has granted us through this promised Savior. 
For us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So here we see, for the Israelites, that this promised son is the king on David's throne. So he's the descendant from Abraham. He's the son of David. But even based on God's covenant with Abraham, Abraham is called the father of all nations. So this promised Savior, this Messiah, it's not just to Israel, Israelites, but also to all the mankind. Let's come to Genesis 3.15. In the Garden of Eden, when God cursed the serpent, he promised a son to save the whole mankind. God said, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. So, we know that the serpent is Satan, who deceived Adam and Eve into eating the forbidden fruit, and that caused the disaster, the, the fallen of the whole human being. So, now we are in sin and death. No one can escape from this fate. But God has promised one day the son of the woman will defeat Satan. Please note that here the offspring is from the woman only. There's nothing to do with Adam, with the, this man. So, he will have no evil nature, no sin at all. But how? How could a child born from a woman only without the genes from a sinful man? We know that God solved the problem through a virgin, the girl who hasn't slept with any man. So, Isaiah 7.14 Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a son. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. This prophecy was given by the prophet Isaiah over 700 years before Christ. To King Ahaz, the king of Judah, when Judah was under the attack of Israel and Aram. Here, Emmanuel means God with us. So God promised to save Judah. But at the same time, 
God also warned Ahaz, unbelief will result in disasters to Judah. So in history, we know that both the north kingdom, Israel, and the southern kingdom, Judah, were conquered by other countries. So it's out of their disobedience to God. But God's promise finally came true in the due time. 700 years later, God's word came to Mary, a descendant of Abraham, who lived in Galilee. And she has pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. So when the angel Gabriel said to Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Mary asked, how will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. For no word from God will ever fail. Then Mary answered, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. So let's imagine According to the record of some Israel history, Mary at that time was only a teenager, was only about 13 to 14 years old. And she has been pledged to Joseph. According to the uh, law of Moses, the one who committed adultery would be stoned to death. Now, since Mary has pledged to Joseph, if he got pregnant before marriage, she would certainly be stoned to death. But how could a girl at about 13 to 14 become so courageous to accept this assignment from God? Because he knows it's God's will to save Israel. So he think, she thinks it's an honor to be granted this Savior through her. So she obeyed. So did Joseph. So we know that the angel came to Joseph in, her, in his dream. And Joseph got married home as the angel told him. Then we saw this Joseph and Mary came to Bethlehem. And then finally, we see the Savior was born in Bethlehem, in a manger. So can you see the big contrast here between these two women, Mary and Eve? Remember, the fall of the whole mankind started from the disobedience of Eve. But the salvation of the whole mankind 
started with the obedience of one woman, Mary. God's plan is marvelous. In fact, God always has a plan to redeem us so that He can be with us again. Because Mary's obedience, the Emmanuel God could come Okay. So the Emmanuel God became flesh. John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1 14. The Word became flesh, dwelling among us. So Jesus is God's word. And when the word became flesh, dwelling among us, God came and he lives with us. In John ten thirty, Jesus told his disciples, I and the Father are one. So that's why the Son is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So here we see a God, three persons in one. Wonderful Counselor. Counselor is the one who gave us advice to lead us to write in, uh, to walk in righteousness. And in the New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit given to us. He is the comforter, the helper, who helps us and leads us. So the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, that's Jesus. Jesus came to bring God's kingdom. That's why he has de- declared many times, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And this kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Jesus came also to bring us peace through his blood shed on the cross. Our sins were forgiven, and the wrath of God was satisfied. Colossians 1.22 But now, God has reconciled us by Christ's physical body through death to present us holy in His sight without blindness and free from accusation. It's God who has reconciled us through Christ's physical body through his death, and so that we can be holy in God's sight. So God's desire is to make us holy so that we can live with him, so that he can be among us. Remember, God is the consuming fire. Without holiness, no one will see God. So to make us holy, His Son 
Jesus has to die on the cross to erase our sins. How great our God is. But Jesus' kingdom has not fully come yet. That's why we are still living in this troubled world, full of injustice and unrighteousness. Justice and righteousness can only come with Jesus' reign. That's why Jesus teaches his disciples to pray that kingdom come. In fact, as we pray in this way, we are asking Jesus to be our king, to reign in our heart. When we pray this way, he will purify us to make us holy so that we can resemble him to be the light and thought of this world. As more and more his followers pray for his kingdom come and truly surrender themselves to Jesus, obeying his orders. In the due time, Jesus will come to reign over all the universe. That's our only hope. So, Revelation 19, 6 to 8. Please join me. Hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fan linen, linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Okay. So, the only hope of this world is Jesus' reign with justice and righteousness. And it will bring peace forever. As his bride, we should be ready to welcome him back. Like the Virgin Mary, we have been given the Holy Spirit. So Mary has Jesus in, his belly, in her belly. We have the Holy Spirit in our heart. The question is, are we so eager to welcome Jesus back as the way Virgin Mary holding the Jesus? So certainly, before his second coming, there will be many trials, persecutions, and tribulations even. So for all his followers, are we ready to make such sacrifice as what Mary has, did, has done to totally surrender to God? So in this Advanced season, let us learn from Mary's son to prepare ourselves to be ready for Jesus' second coming. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. 
So first, we can see that Mary is a true worshiper. She worships God with her soul and her spirit. All her intention is to glorify God, not herself. That's why she can still rejoice in the Lord when she had to suffer all the mockings, the persecutions because of her pregnancy as a virgin. So, in fact, most of the days, most of the times, when we are serving God, we know we need to glorify God. But sometimes we are glorifying ourselves. Only trials can purify our heart to lead us to God, only to glorify Him. Second, we see that Mary is very humble. She considers herself as God's servant. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary is not the holy one, the one without sins, as depicted by the Catholics. Instead, she is very humble. This humility helps her surrender to God's will. To be chosen to have the holy baby is a great honor for her. So that's why all hardships were considered as a blessing. Nowadays, humility is a, a very rare character. But we should know that pride hints us from coming near to God, from hearing God's word, from knowing God's will. So we need to humble ourselves as Mary did. Third, Mary truly knows who God is. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary knows God is the Holy One, the one quite different from us, the Almighty One. He has all the power to do all things. But he is merciful, merciful to those who fear him. Only when we fear the Lord, he will show his mercy to us. So Mary truly believes that God is her Savior because she obeyed him. So Mary knows that God will carry her through all those trials. Besides, Mary knows that the deeds God has made in Israel's history. He has performed many deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are poured in their inmost who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones 
but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. God is a merciful God. He is merciful to the humble and to the hungry. Mary also knows that God is a faithful God. He will never forget His covenant with Abraham, with David, His promise to Israel. So He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and His descendants forever, just as He promised our ancestors. God is faithful. No word from God will ever fail. It's this understanding that enables Mary to look forward to the birth of the promised Savior with joy and peace in all her sufferings and trials. So all signs are pointing that Jesus' second coming is around the corner. Jesus has come as promised by God to save us, to erase all our sins, and to make us reconcile with God. He will come again to judge this wicked world and to erase all sins. But before his coming, great tribulations will come. The good news is, God has promised that those stand firm will surely be saved. The question is, are we ready for such trials? Are we ready to stand firm when all kinds of movements, the New Era movement, Muslim, ASS, postmodernism, LGBTQ movements, they all focus their attacks on Christian faith. Are we ready? to stand firm, to face, to confront persecution? Are we ready to glorify God, to rejoice in all these trials? Jesus is our hope. She is our only hope. Let us pray. Dear God, we know how much you love us, that you have sacrificed your son on the cross to erase all our sins. We know that this world 
is a crooked one. And it's full of darkness. We ask you, Lord, come to rescue us, to purify us, so that we can be a testimony of you. Lord, come to strengthen us, to make us stand firm, so that we can have the courage to share your gospel, even among persecution. Lord, let your light shine upon us. Let us know that you are the only way, the truth, the life. Come, my Lord. Come, Jesus. We are eager to welcome you back. Come, my Lord, come. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you.